Calling Dick Tracy. Come in, Dick Tracy. A podcast is in progress. and welcome to another exciting minute of the Dick Tracy Minute podcast. My name's Parker. My name is Rob. Uh, strap yourselves in for some solid Tracy. <laughs> okay, and we're on to the very exciting minute two today. And uh, case in point for the whole film, minute two may be mostly credits. There is more interesting stuff going on in the background of these credits than in some other entire movies. Have you had a look at it, Rob? I did, yeah. Um, it's uh, it, it's that beautiful kind of panning over our, our kind of multicolored building. So it's it's a mixture of what I'm guessing, a mixture of matte painting and um, physical models in the foreground and then a matte painting in the background. And uh, yeah, I had a look at some of the, the cute little signs that you see as the camera pans over. And we have Supreme Gasoline. Uh, it's always, oh, yeah. always good to get some Supreme gasoline keep you going keep you getting from a to b uh some delicious franks and if i'm not mistaken there's an apostrophe over franks so it's delicious franks something yeah i I squinted pretty hard at some of these to to see uh like what was going on some of them appeared to have apostrophes some of them didn't um actually before we get to the to the sign parade i wanted to mention so dick tracy and everything we've just seen in the first minute is is really dramatically getting ready yes and getting his coat on and and so he shuts the light off and steps out the door um we know from the next scene he's just going to the opera so it's a but do we feel right now that he's he's heading out to the opera straight away or is he going out on the beat first uh i would say yeah i i'm i'm not willing to assume that this is hardcore like a linear display of events like i'm i think it's open to interpret like maybe this is just a montage of the city setting us up i'm, I'm trying to see does the shot actually cut before we see the kid not it really does not. It's all it not it is one, one unbroken yeah. shot it is one yeah so this is it in any case the same evening if not going straight to the opera but it's nice to know that uh, that tracy's just sort of ready for action yeah. at all times it's almost like he's waiting to receive a call what, what, what when when we like well, just before he turns off the light he looks at his watch it's almost like he's waiting to receive a call that will tear him away from the opera so that he'll have to jump into action could be but yeah like there's there's a nice kind of a also like stop motion sort of effect like i i'm i'm wondering how they actually accomplished all these like this whole shot of the the city i'm assuming it was miniatures but the way the camera moves it's a very kind of nightmare before Christmas sort of stop motiony sort of sense to it, and I've always just kind of wondered what that was and where all these models are. And and, and kudos to Warren Beatty if uh, he was directing that as well. I don't know if he had a stop motion expert come in. For what, that, I, what what I'd assume they did was they they did this on Batman eighty nine. They had an, a number of buildings in the foreground that were physical models, and then the background was um, a matte painting. And then there was mm-hmm. elements of the map painting that were animated. So you have like little bits of smoke and then lights flicking on and off and stuff like that. And then the, the little train 
going down the tunnel like that 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 was probably all animated and then everything else was just a still map painting it's the it's the type of thing i'd, I'd love to see production for there's very little kind of making of stuff we've been able to find for this film over the years like there's some but I, it would be so so great to to see the photos of that whole setup because yeah it must have been extraordinary to look at but yeah getting onto the the many many billboards that we see throughout this this minute as it pans by. Like, there's literally dozens of them, and even the ones that, that we're able to make out are, are probably, like, less than half of the ones that are, are, you know, visible distantly in the background. You can't really make it out, but... Um, so, yeah, you mentioned the uh, the su Supreme Gasoline. Supreme and Delicious gasoline. Franks. Uh, delicious Franks. Um, the, the one that really caught my eye, because it's actually relevant to you and I, mm -hmm. uh, Cruise Lines, Europe yes. in 15 days. So I, I couldn't tell if it said 15 or 5. It mm. kind of looked like it was Europe in five days, which would be a little more impressive. It would make a little bit more sense, said. yeah, for the time that this is supposed to take place. I don't know, maybe it did still take 15 days. No, you are correct. It maybe. does say five days. Is it five? Yeah. 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 But uh, it's it'll be, I think it says Life's Cruise Lines. That was one of the ones I looked at the longest, trying to figure out what it said about, like in, in big letters above it. But... Um, but along the way, the uh, the first billboard we see was is travel streamliner for uh, like a train, and it's it's like your standard Art Deco kind of looking poster. But then there's a have a captain cigarette. Have a captain. I thought that was kind of cool cigarette. right off the bat. Yeah. That's, Not a camel, uh, but a captain, because all of these are are fictional brands created to appear in the background for like a fifth of a second during this quick pan and many of them would are only you can really only make them out in this like we're watching the film in hd now and uh yeah it's just another sort of incredible look at like what a labor of love it was every single one of these is a work of art for a fictional brand and it appears for a fraction of a second. You can barely see it unless you're looking at it frame by frame. I am. I am looking at the uh, delicious Frank's um, delicious Frank's sign again, and I can't quite make it out. I, I I was saying to you before we started recording, the version I'm watching is the YouTube um, version that you can buy on YouTube, basically. Uh, and I bought it in HD <laughs> because I knew we were going through it like kind of bit by bit. And unfortunately, it only goes up to 720, which is really annoying because there's enough in this that you'd nearly want to watch it in 4K. Absolutely, yeah. Unfortunately, that's not an option. Well, so my cut is, is I believe the uh, the 1080p um, Blu-ray version, and there's a lot, there's still tons of stuff you c you can't make out in terms of the text on the signs or, or stuff that I had to really zoom in on. But uh, right after Captain Cigarette, there's like an Art Deco rabbit right at a uh, minute 21. Okay. And I can't tell what the text is. I think it's supposed to be some kind of messenger service, but it's like it's 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 like if you picture an Art Deco bullet train, it's that, but it's a rabbit in profile with the ears stretched out behind it. It's fascinating, and yeah, I wonder what the deal with that is, but that's really cool. Interesting. Um, I also there's noticed, also a huge sign. Mm -hmm. I also noticed one called uh, Crackly Flakes. Um, it's what looks like an infant child and a dog, and they're kind of perched over a uh, bottle of cereal. Yes. Um, and you know, it's it's fairly run of the mill. There's nothing too interesting about it, except that uh, given that this is set in the 30s, I don't I don't know how familiar you are with the Superman radio show. Uh, a couple of years ago, I oh, started really? I started listening to it on mass. I listened to I'd say probably 40 or 50 episodes, which sounds like a lot but it probably only covers about you know two or three different storylines because the way they did it back then like one storyline was stretch over like two weeks and it was pe people complain about tv arcs nowadays but it was exactly the same back in the golden age radio but 
the reason I'm bringing this up is those shows would be littered with ads for Kellogg's Pep, the super delicious cereal. Uh, and I can pretty much hear that ad in my head right now. And when I sleep, it's oh, the last yeah. thing Kellogg's I hear. Pep. The super delicious cereal. It's like it's in it's in every episode at least four times and it's probably one of the main reasons i stopped listening to the radio show was just the constant kellogg's pep ads so i'd like to think that warren Beatty uh, was a fan of those as well and that's why he's put this uh, billboard for crackly flakes in dick tracy just for some serial accuracy yeah it's it is interesting that uh like it's one of those billboards with the the painting of the kid and a dog that that looks like it was done in the 40s but it's a fictional brand it would have been done now and and just like they really nailed that that old-timey look to all these things like the the kind of creepy look to any of the different sort of like human figures that appear in these billboards one thing i am noticing just i'm paused on that exact frame right now and uh mm-hmm. crackly flakes is in the background that's part of the map painting but if you kind of shift your eye, one of the, the kind of steam stacks in the foreground looks like it's a physical model and there's kind of a guardrail around mm-hmm. it. And that, that, that actually looks real. And you can kind of distinguish the difference between the two if you pause it just right. So Yeah, yeah like there's you wonder how many layers are going on in terms of the models, like the foreground, background, then the map paintings and then further back. Map, like, I don't know. It's, it's just like a labyrinth. Once they start getting to the this all the steam works in particular, like there's all these dozens and dozens of these huge smokestacks and water towers we've talked about before like we associate water towers in cities entirely with spider-man pretty much but there's like 50 of these little red water towers just on this one kind of factory power plant thing that they go by and i always think of animaniacs whenever i see uh water towers just that's true you know yeah. they're, they're not that common here where i live so uh Whenever I see one, I just think of the the Warner Brothers and the Warner Sister Dot. No, absolutely, yeah. The and the um the fact that the sun at one point we we go across uh the street and we see the sun setting in the background. Yes. Uh, like down the alleyway, and it's it's a nice kind of you know the sun's going down, and you think all this crime on the radio is bad by day. Things are about to get real bad after oh, the sun yeah. goes down. Oh, after the sun um, goes down, are you gonna sing the Baywatch Nights theme tune right now? Well, we can always edit it out later. Uh, for those who don't know, um, there is a spin-off of Baywatch called Baywatch Nights, where David Hasselhoff becomes a private investigator by night. Um, you know, d- moonlighting his career as a as a beach lifeguard, he's now a private investigator. And uh, initially, the plots just were kind of standard, kind of detective crime procedural kind of stuff but then they very quickly put them up against aliens and uh, monsters and stuff so check it out somehow more fan a spin-off of baywatch more fantastical uh than this comic book movie period piece that we're discussing so i suppose we can probably we can probably move on now to the uh the main chunk can we of the of the minute oh well not so fast Ooh, because there's still a few more signs uh <sighs> worth mentioning here because there's uh, a giant sign for National Telegraph, which, you know, it's the the 30s or 40s, but uh, you'd think this is early on in the in the uh, montage. It's right after the Art Deco Rabbit. You can see a huge sign in the background for National Telegraph, uh, still relevant in the 40s. But right after that is Superior Telephones. Superior Telephones. Uh, kind of sh- Superior Telephones, a sign of the times, if you will, taking over from National Telegraph. Up next is maybe my favorite sign in the whole thing, which is a giant, like, 3D loaf of sliced bread with just the sign white bread. Oh, wow. 
but you can see the slices coming off it, as if to remind us, uh, yeah, white sliced bread, literally uh, a brand new novel invention right now in the world of the film. True enough. Then there's Delicious Frank's Frothy Beer is another one after Delicious Frank's. Mm -hmm. Easy Ketchup, uh, spelled with two E's, and I like that. Again, reminding us this we are in the glass bottle era of ketchup here. It is hard to get ketchup out of the bottle you want. And easy ketchup. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Spring gasoline, like cruise lines. I'm gonna pause yeah. you there. Mm -hmm. do, do you not have glass bottles of ketchup now? They're a bit bespoke. You can find them, but not since childhood in the '90s have I really had one on hand. Well, when you go to a restaurant, do they not have glass bottles of ketchup? Uh, they do. That is the one exception. Restaurants and diners do usually have them, and I have yeah. to do a bit of the uh, the Robert De Niro method from Goodfellas, where you twist it back and forth like you you shimmy it back and forth in your hand uh like you're starting a fire oh very good it's really corkscrew that ketchup out i want i want to draw your attention to one of my favorite signs um it's actually mm. it's not only a sign it's, it's kind of an instruction for life and it's it's one that i've really taken to heart and uh applied to my own daily life uh well <laughs> maybe not daily Wh which sign would that be uh drink beer <laughs> <laughs> yes, painted on the side of the building. Uh, it's it's, uh, it's right not, after it's crack, not one think. of the more prominent ones, but it is there. Uh, I, I, it feels like there might be a brand in between drink and beer, but we just can't read it. But to me, it just reads drink beer. And I've, I feel like saying, why, yes, yes, I will. It could be a public service announcement. You know, we're post-depression and uh, could be. the government's just reminding people to, to have a good time. You know, and, and maybe the water supply isn't as clean as it could be. And it's like the beer is more reliable than water. That's true. You know? You know, people just, I often think of this uh, interview David Letterman did with uh, Peter O'Toole one time where uh, he was kind of saying, you know, back then people sort of drank when they had nothing else to do. And Peter O'Toole <laughs> responded, yeah, well, sometimes they drank while they were doing things as well. Like it was just, a, it was just a constant thing. It, it wasn't, it wasn't like this occasion like it is now. Uh, it was just life. So maybe that's true in the world of Dick Tracy too. It's true. Yeah. Drink beer. <laughs> right after drink beer, there's a nice uh, family friendly ad for Spark. Cola on an actual billboard. There's a partial view of an ad that just says the best tires that we can see a, a, a brief snippet of in the top part of the screen. Um, the big gas works, steam works, power plant thing we're going by says City Electric on it because they the people need juice. And there's the daily, though, yeah, a big ad for the daily paper. The daily paper will be very relevant the as this paper. film goes on. Yeah. And finally, uh, at the very end, we go by Bud's Foods, fresh fruit and produce, as the uh, as we track past finally to the uh, the alleyway. Bud's Foods. Let me just see if I can see that because I don't want to miss that. I like Bud. Bud's it's kind of written Bud's wrapped foods. around the uh, the building, so you see Bud's Foods on like the corner. You can kind of just see the D, like. Oh, you can just get the D, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Fresh fruit. Oh, I see it there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very. Fast. So yeah, so then I guess we, we, we pan down to uh, our sun-soaked street. What I really like about this, going out of the way, like going through the trouble of including the kid here, we could have just ended with a cut on all this, you know, and just just then cut to an alleyway and have the kid show up, right, without going through the trouble of matching the shots of the miniatures and the stop motion, whatever was going on with a live actor. I love the fact that they, they went through the trouble of then having the kid run into that shot so in the the crazy like old-timey sign fantasy world we've just been looking at for a whole minute now there's an actual human being walking through like as if to confirm we are looking at real life and not just a cartoon really like that mm. uh, one thing i did notice on this viewing uh, because we're we're going minute by minute we're analyzing things more than we usually would uh, i was talking about how much i loved the matte paintings up to now this particular shot kind of gives the game away a little bit in that there is a car 
that's part of the matte painting and it's it's a little bit too obvious for me that it's hmm. it's kind of painted in it's not really there uh, i think especially with the kid in the foreground you can kind of just see the seams of the um of the matte painting where it meets the the physical set a little bit uh, but again i'm not gonna i'm not gonna hold that against them because number one and um, so much time and effort went into this movie and number two it's supposed to evoke a certain period of film as well so like yeah I, I can only imagine what it would have taken to uh to pull off like the the whole production that whole panning shot and the whole thing so however they managed to get it done uh bravo i say now <laughs> now what's the first thing the kid does of course when we see him he finds a bright red uh bin as we would say or trash can as you would say and uh <laughs> lifts the lid off the trash can the last remaining trash can lid in the city as spider-man would say and then um he proceeds <laughs> to delve into the cleanest looking garbage i've ever seen and pull out a sandwich with a perfect cartoon bite taken out of the middle of it now if if you were hard up the way this kid is like it's it's you know not to make light of uh dumpster diving if if you were rooting through the trash looking hoping to find your only meal of the day and you found a pristine white bread sandwich, like like eighty five percent of a sandwich intact that someone had taken one bite of and then just thrown away. <laughs> like you, the kid is kind of scowling when he finds it. You'd think this would this would really make his day. Like how what's he finding that's that's better than that? Well, you Parker, know? I've got a story for this. The year was oh, nineteen ninety nine, and you uh, were eating some garbage. <laughs> my family and I were queuing up for Kentucky Fried Chicken which was uh, new to Ireland at the time. I think it may have even been the very first Kentucky Fried Chicken uh, <laughs> outlet we had in Ireland. And we were queuing up. The queue was quite long. And I noticed that someone had left what appeared to be a full can of Coke kind of <laughs> on one of the tables. And I, I went over and I thought, well, this is just my luck. And I started drinking it. <laughs> my mum came over and practically swatted it out of my hand. She was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you could get all kinds of like diseases and you know growths on your face by drinking that uh so that that Scarlet. kind of um traumatized me and every time i watch this film now i think of that i'm thinking what did what awful diseases does the person who was originally eating that sandwich have and what's the kid gonna get by eating it well i like to think that he probably ate around the bite because it's such a clean semi-circular bite mark out of mm. it you could you could really just you know just come at it from the other side and then once you're down to that bite rind back in the bin what are we saying the contents of this sandwich are Ah, well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, my whole life, I've always assumed it was simply a cheese sandwich on white bread. Looking at it in HD, I think there might be some very pale slices of ham or perhaps turkey on this thing. Interesting. I wasn't going to say that at all. I was going to say that, it, yeah, it does look cheesy, but also that it could, be, it could be a peanut butter sandwich and that it's just a very light kind of color graded peanut butter yeah it could be some some bright 1940s smooth peanut butter i suppose do you think maybe the way the sandwich ended up in the trash can is one of our many stout patrolmen took a bite of the sandwich his wife had perhaps packed it for him and omitted the meat do you think perhaps he took a bite found that it was just a cheese sandwich no meat in it and went Aah. do you know what i'd and say happened it. there actually this film goes to pains to show us that most of the beat cops are uh, Irish expats because they have those ridiculous mm. Hollywood Irish accents. I'd say what happened was uh, this, you know, uh, Irish cop, presumably <laughs> from, you know, Limerick or Cork or Galway or something like that. He bit into this American white bread sandwich with American cheese in it, 
took one bite, <laughs> realized how disgusting and sickening it was compared to what it's used to in the motherland, and he threw it right in the trash where it belongs. Uh, something Irish expats do to this day with American bread. It's a bloody shame. Yeah, if no. only they'd used authentic Kerrygold uh, cheese made from grass-fed cows. I feel it's time to tell the listeners what you're referring to there. In the year of our Lord 2010, I found myself in Niagara Falls with Parker and his family. And uh, Parker's uh, father took it upon himself to drive across the border to uh, the United States of America because he wanted to get some Kerrygold butter, which you, you can't get in Canada, is that right? Yeah, I've never seen it here. Uh, Kerrygold, for those who don't know, is a, a grass-fed uh, butter that's made here in Ireland. And it's kind of a luxury item in America and Canada because so few things are grass-fed over there. Whereas over here, we just we just call that food. We ended up getting trapped in customs for... Or no, no, what was it? The Border Patrol. Mm-hmm. Because myself... Homeland and my, Security. Myself and my, my, my other friend who was with me um, didn't have American visas at all. We, we didn't have any permission to be there, so... They had to process us for like three hours before they let us go through. And uh, the Border Patrol police asked how I knew Parker's family, and I was forced to tell them uh, that I knew him from the Superman homepage, <laughs> which probably sounded really strange. <laughs> but at the time, I was wearing a Superman T-shirt. There was a framed photo of a house behind the Border Patrolman. and <laughs> I believe there was a sign for Homeland Security. Homeland Security. And then on the, on the <laughs> table in front of me, there was a load of pages. So... You know, I always think that to her, I could have been making it up because I was looking at all the things in the immediate area and just picking all the things saying Superman, home, page. But anyway, we got we got to go to America and uh, we got the Kerrygold. It was good. I, I have the day was safe. I, I, I don't really eat butter, but you can get Kerrygold for like nothing over here. And um, it is one of the ironically on that same uh, that same trip, I was able to get some uh, aerosol cheddar from buffalo oh because that is one thing that is much harder to find in canada and so it's it's one of the most decadent just american delicacies uh, uh, delicacy to is me very i can never find words. it up here For... but it always looks so cool in a goofy movie when they're making sculptures out of the aerosol cheese and it's just pure yeah american excess i just drop my drop my mic there with um, disgust uh calling weaponized aerosol chemicals a delicacy is um, not something I'm prepared to do on this podcast. So if uh, if you got a sandwich with it, you'd probably just pitch it in the bin. Yeah, or big time. Not, not a big fan of white bread across the board, but American white bread is... No, not for me. <laughs> now, speaking of those, uh, of those patties, if you will, which is to say oh. uh, one of our many stout Irish patrol cops, uh, one of them rounds the corner right here, and he's talking to somebody. So right as the kid gets his bite of the sandwich... We see this uh, beat cop walk around the corner, and all we hear him say is, Darndest thing I ever saw. <laughs> and we don't even see who he's talking to. Whoever he's talking to is very elegantly, like, out of out of the way, out of the corner, and I, it's interesting blocking. Like, I just wondered, could they not get a second person, or... I'd say I'd say they just they, it, I'd say that was in the edit. They just wanted to cut faster to to keep the scene moving. I'd say mm. there was someone beside him. Yeah. Do we reckon that that's Police Chief Brandon? Yeah. So I wondered if this was Police Chief Brandon at first, and it is just some patrol cop. I don't know why Police Chief Brandon would be here yet, and given the events of the next scene, like it'd be pretty brash to to pull off this gigantic crime that's about to go down in the next scene. Uh, with the actual chief of police about 20 feet away. 
So um, that is uh, that's about it in terms of the events of this scene. Because right after this, uh, the kid sees this cop coming, uh, immediately turns on his heel and goes through the doorway into uh, this big room full of multicolored barrels where the minute ends. So that's about it, except for the actual credits that play over this minute. There's a whole lot of them. We talked about, we're not going to go through them actor by actor, because it's basically just one, like, incredible career after another. But a few worth specifically noting. Score by Danny Elfman comes up uh, right at the alley Mm -hmm. scene. That's amazing. Right after that is Songs by Stephen Sondheim. And yeah, so just a great one-two punch of... (laughs) Of great composers. Yeah. I, I, I had a little look at Danny Elfman's IMDb just to kind of put us in the, put us where he was at in terms of his career at this mm-hmm. point. So this, between this and Batman, he composed one movie, which was Nightbreed, Ooh. by uh, directed by Cl- uh, Clive Barker. So n- not what I would say uh, a major kind of blockbuster release. So th- this is his first kind of big project after, after Batman. But then remember as well that The Simpsons... That would have been the first time we hear Danny Elfman's Simpsons theme as well. So uh, it was a pretty landmark year for uh, Danny Elfman in 1990. You could definitely argue that he was in the height of his powers at this time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, this, and I guess The Flash is the same year as this. The Flash is the same year as this, and it is important to mention that the theme for Dick Tracy and the theme for The Flash are very, very similar, and people pointed out a lot, and, you know, you, you could criticise Danny Elfman for it, but it's just one of those things. I mean, when you're when you're a composer, a lot of your themes tend to kind of bleed into each other. I know it's definitely true of, like, Hans Zimmer and stuff like that, but definitely, like, I remember as a kid watching The Flash, having grown up watching Dick Tracy, and thinking that it was a very, very similar mm-hmm. theme. Like D- Dick Tracy is dun 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 dun, and then the Flash is dun 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 dun. So it's kind of like very easy to mix up in one's head. Certainly over the years, uh, yeah, I've me- I've gone to hum one and ended up humming the other many, many times. And I I think I always to get to the Dick and, Tracy theme in my head, I always just picture the opening shot like the title card of the film, and then it then it springs to mind. Mm. But before... Uh, I think the other criticism people will have as well is that overall they just all sound a little bit too similar to Batman. That's never really been a thing for me. I, I, I don't really hear the similarities there, but I think just the overall kind of structure and style of it is obviously very mm-hmm. similar. Absolutely. So yeah, and just a couple other names that pop up in the opening credits that are really interesting. Dick Van Dyke. To me, that's the main one that jumps out because like, I was a huge Mary Poppins fan as a kid. Seeing Dick Van Dyke's name in here, I think the first 10 times I watched the film as a kid, I'd see, oh, wow, Dick Van Dyke. Where's he in this movie? And then forget to look for him mm-hmm. every time and fail to recognize him as D.A. Fletcher much later. So it, it took, I think at one point watching yeah, it with it, my mom, she finally pointed out, like, oh, there's Dick Van Dyke. He's definitely one of the, do you know what it is? the kind of secret cast members of the film. Do you know what it is? Pardon me? You couldn't you couldn't recognize him without his Ah uh, Fooled you. Well, again. gee whiz, nothing nothing ever exciting happens uh when Dick Tra- <laughs> Dick Tra- when Dick Van Dyke's around. <laughs> then yeah, like again the next card, yeah, James Kahn again has a neat one scene in this. Uh Estelle Parsons' name comes up. So she's from Warren Beatty, but uh she's from uh Bonnie and Clyde. But uh, she's also Roseanne's mother on the long-running, beloved Roseanne sitcom. And, um, yeah, really cool. Again, not someone I noticed she, until the last few years. Does she feature in uh, the Connors now that Roseanne is, is 
dead. As far as I know, I haven't watched the new The Connors. As far as I know, she is in it. She's still alive and well and on the air. So I think that's about it for this minute. Yeah, sounds good to me. And uh, so, yeah, certainly a heck of a lot packed into one minute with basically just a bunch of signs and uh, an eventual shot of a kid eating a sandwich out of a trash can. But uh, yeah. As as we've all done. So of course, as any longtime listener of the Dick Tracy Minute podcast, now in its second episode, knows, we're absolutely crazy for segments here on the show, and that's why we're about to create a brand new segment out of thin air called the Highlight Segment. This is going to be where Rob and I each single out our one favorite thing about the past minute and why it uh, jumped out to us as something special. Hit it! And now, boys and girls, the zip-zapping, super-delicious taste of crackly flakes presents the Dick Tracy Minute Highlights. Okay, so uh, Rob, what's uh, what's your favorite thing about minute two? Uh, I would say my favorite thing about this minute is just that really cool panning shot of the the city. It really sets up the whole thing. It makes you feel like you're in a big city, and the, the way they did it in real life is really cool. Even though it's it's kind of evident to us now how they did it. The, they had the models in the foreground and the map painting in the background, but. It's just it's just really kind of charming and that, that kind of ingenuity isn't something you really see anymore now. It's all just kind of CGI models and it's a little bit less interesting to look at. So I just really like that. I get a real kick out of it every time I watch the movie. Uh, absolutely. It's such a great way to start the film, yeah. Um, for, for me, in my mind, uh, I always would have said the smokestacks, like just the, the, the giant labyrinthian, like these bright red smokestacks that look like cans of chili themselves. That's just such an iconic image. I've, I've taken screenshots of that uh, to use as wallpapers over the years, but um, watching the minute again now, it's got to be the signs. I, I'm, I'm blown away. Yeah. Just every single one is like like a labor of love that <clears throat> that somebody put real thought into. And, you know, t- just having like the ketchup be called easy ketchup, not just, you know, tomato ketchup or something. Yeah. Or, or the, the little girl on the Crackle it Flakes is, box. Like. It is great that, you know, we saw these signs because if we hadn't seen them, if we hadn't really examined them, we wouldn't have thought to reach out to Crackly Flakes to uh, to sponsor this segment. Yeah, so exactly. We, we would have missed out on all the uh, free that, that we took that extra crates time. of Crackle Flakes. Uh, we're now being sent for it. So, yeah. Uh, we can confirm. Uh, we're not being biased. We can confirm that um, Crackly Flakes do, in fact, have a zip-zapping delicious <laughs> taste. Um, and we haven't been paid well. No, well, we we have been paid to say that, but we're, we're happy to it. say it, irrespective of the money. As McConaughey might say, uh, I enjoyed Crackle Flakes before anyone ever paid me to eat them. I think our endorsement was better than his. <laughs> All right. Um, as we say at the end of every episode so far, but it's especially true this time, the next minute is where things go from already really interesting and packed with detail to just absolutely out of control so much happens in the next minute it's going to be a ride yeah so we this is kind of where you discover what the film is yeah yeah absolutely yeah but yeah so we'll get to that next time and uh we'll hope we catch you for that one see you then over and out for this week 